Hello. Bit of a milestone this chat. I uh, this will be the hundredth one I've done. Nearly two years worth. Can't believe it's gone so quickly. I have a look each week before I send them over to see what number I'm on. I'm late with this one though. I've uh, just come back from Pembrokeshire, a place called Newgale, just south of St David's. Went there with my daughter and her family. A couple of caravans they had. They pitched one side and faced their awning towards us and we had one next to them and put the awning the other way so they, we had a communal bit in the middle. As it turned out it worked well because uh, my daughter's fella had bought a, a gazebo thing with sides in that all zipped up and on a couple of three of the days the weather was naff and we went in there and had a communal feed. One night we even took the television across and put a DVD in and had a film to watch. Very cosy. We did the same last year but we hadn't got the gazebo. Then it was glorious weather for the entire eight days we were down there and we sat round a fire pit at night and had drinks and nibbles and sat and reminisced and talked about different things. We still sat and had drinks and such like in the gazebo after we'd finished having tea and been out on the beach. But it was a different atmosphere being indoors and occasional patter of rain on the roof. But a good time was had by all. Julia's youngest son and her stepson would wanted to go surfing all the while. They actually went out with bodyboards most of the week, but on the last day they actually had a surfing lesson and learnt how to use a big surfboard and stand up on it. They both did very well, actually. Both did very well. My daughter's eldest son, he's 21, 22 now, so he has his own lifestyle, doesn't want to go on holiday with mum and dad anymore. But a good time was had. My daughter had got her Springer Spaniel, who was about five or six months younger than mine, and they went berserk all over the beach. At the start of the week, the younger dog was quite dominant. We used to throw the ball for our dog, Monty, and Loki used to chase him round trying to get it off him. But by the end of the week it changed a little bit and Monty became more dominant and was chasing Loki off. I just hope it hasn't spread and made Monty a bit more protective than he used to be. He was always quite good at associating with other dogs without a problem. Just hope he doesn't think he's got to chase every other dog off now we're back. He's been out a couple of three times since we got back and he seems okay. No great problems there. He'll soon settle back into his own routine, I've no doubt. Certainly he'll soon settle back into the training we've taught him and the recall we've taught him. Having two of them on the beach chasing around, they weren't always 
responsive to uh, recall or commands. But I've been out of contact while I've been down there. There's supposed to be Wi-Fi on the site, but none of us could get onto it for any meaning. To Certainly not long enough to get a half hour's chat done and sent out. So, without any access to the internet or anything that would help, I gave it a miss last week and didn't do a chat. First time I've missed in, as I say, a hundred chats. But I'm catching up now. We're doing it. This is the one. It's funny how things happen, though, when things come to mind. We were driving around and we went over a couple of level crossings with the barriers and such like and somebody in the car was talking and talking about keyboard warriors protesting about things nothing to protest about but they just felt they had to send an insult to somebody or tell somebody they were stupid for doing this or that or the other They wouldn't say it to their face, they wouldn't say it to anybody in particular. But because they've got the anonymity of just sending messages, they send them. Hateful stuff, some of it. This is why we get all these things of accusations of death threats and injury and hoping things happen nastily to us. But what came to mind going over the level crossings was... When they closed Oriwa Station and pulled it down, there were always the old wooden gates. It was a wide road, so there was two gates each side of the crossing that swung into the middle of the crossing to let traffic through and then swung back to the middle of the road to meet in the middle of the road when there was a train coming through. Now, I know in the fog and bad weather I can remember a train going through when the gates were still closed collecting the two gates on their side of the road and taking them about half a mile down the track splintered all over the front of the train now when they pulled it all down and rearranged everything and they altered the communications I think Ori was signal box in those days then after they'd altered the power box at Derby was the first signal box between Oribus and Derby so instead of having the gates that you had to wind with a big wheel inside the signal box to open and close a bit like a ship's wheel only made of metal hang on to the handles and wind it round. They decided they'd put barriers, not automatic ones like you see in some of the country lanes and the different places, but operated from the signal box instead of the gates. Now it was all going nicely and being built. Now at this time we were the nearest house to those crossing gates, the new barriers. Originally there was the station and the station house, 
the goods yard and then our house. So we were about, oh, probably about 80 yards from the crossing. And they put the barriers in and tested them and were working them. And in the local newspaper, about a fortnight later, was a big set of objections and the headlines. Local residents protest at the noise of bells, where the bells would ring to warn drivers or pedestrians that the barriers were about to come down and close the crossing. People knew of these, they'd read about them, they'd worked elsewhere. There'd be flashing lights and bells ringing. And all the local residents apparently were in arms about the noise of these bells and they wanted it stopping. Now my dad worked in the signal box there at that time. He'd moved there from Witchness Sidings as things were being closed and shut down. There was a vacancy at Oliver so he moved to it. It was only just down the road. Now, my dad worked there, and I showed him this, and I said, well, I, we're the closest house to it, and I've never heard these bells. They've never annoyed me. No, he says, they've never been wired up. They never have rung, and they never will do, because they're not going to use them here. Just rely on the flashing lights. The red lights will flash and that should stop the cars. Oh, right. So all this about the noise being too much is a load of rubbish. So even before the days of the internet, 60 years before the days of the internet, people were protesting then about things they didn't know about, didn't understand, they just wanted to get their penneth of gossiping. So it's nothing new, isn't keyboard warriors? It's just done in a different way. But I must say while we were down at St. that area we went into St David's, just about six or seven miles up the coast from Newgale. And what I consider one of the best views in Britain. We parked up at the first car park on the left as you come into St David's from the south. Big car park next to a, a complex of little shops and stalls and visitor centre. And walked down into the town. Bought an ice cream. Supposed to be a single scoop ice cream in a cone. I can honestly say it was the biggest ice cream I've ever had in my life. It was huge. By the time I'd finished, it was going that quickly in that heat that we had that day. It was dripping through my fingers off the cone. And we hadn't been given any tissues, serviettes or anything to go with it. It was a huge ice cream. Must have been three or four scoops in it to make it up. But, she said, it was a single scoop. God knows what a double one would have looked like. Anyway, we got the ice creams and carried on walking down the little lane through a stone archway 
and out on the other side of the archway there's a stone wall to your right and you look across and down and there in the dip is St David's Cathedral and the old ruined Bishop's Palace resplendent in the sunshine perfect grass leading down to it and the hills behind it it looked an absolute picture it's one of the best views I think in the country and by country I mean Great Britain it is one of the loveliest views not for rugged scenery but just by the setting is excellent can't be beaten fond memories of there I've been there before but with the dog at my side and Elaine alongside me it was it was a glorious day thoroughly enjoyed it but it's funny how things change when you're somewhere like Newgale I didn't try the television this year my daughter's fella and myself both tried it last year and we couldn't get a really good signal to, to make it watchable. Now it didn't bother us, we didn't miss the television one little bit. We, weren't, we have the ability, if there's something like Shetland that we've been watching, we can catch up on on the iPlayer when we get back, which we will do later in the week. But... I didn't miss actually sitting and watching it. We'd got plenty on without. Plenty to do. The only thing that I did miss was the red button. I used that to... We don't have a newspaper, so I use the red button and I catch up on the headlines of the news and I catch up on the football and the cricket scores and that sort of thing. And it was one of those things when I got back, I had to try and work out how England had got on against South Africa. How many teams Aston Villa and Burton Albion had got on in the football. Mind you, I wish down to look those up. I didn't do very well. But that was the only thing I missed about it. I lost contact with the news and the sport that interests me. But other than that, there was no problem at all with it. If the weather had been really atrocious, we'd got a couple of three DVDs with us. We could have connected it all up and watched one of those. Hey, we could have took out one of our DVDs into the gazebo and put it on my daughter's telly. She got quite a large television. I mean, ours for a caravan thing, it's only about 19 inches. She's got a huge, great thing. I said, what, you got one like that for? She says, it didn't look that big in the shop. It wasn't until I put it in the caravan, I realised how big it was. So, yeah. That's how it goes. I've done the same. I've bought stuff and thought, oh, that's, a, that's brilliant. I did it with a fire pit for the back garden. I saw it, it was going fairly cheap, and I thought, that's just for us. Put it in the garden, and I thought, hmm, it's a bit bigger for our garden. I didn't think it was quite that big. We have used it two or three times, but we've not used it as often as I thought we might.
There again, the way the weather is at the minute, you don't want anything kicking out sparks. One thing about it, where we were, we could have the fire pits, but everything had to be so many inches off the ground, you couldn't have a disposable barbecue on the ground, it had got to be raised up, and certain rules like that. But I mean, anybody that's sensible has a supply of water nearby, then if a spark does go, you can put it out quickly. We shared a lot of the cooking. We'd have a, a communal food. We would cook some portion of it and my daughter and then we'd cook a certain portion of it and then we'd meet up in this gazebo, lump it all together and get on with eating it. A bit like a buffet really, but with all the types of food, you know, like a carvery, depending on what we'd prepared. Breakfast was always a laugh. We'd got a supply of bacon and sausages and black pudding and that sort of thing. And we took that in turns. My daughter's fella's got a quite a substantial barbecue that he could do all of the things on and put most of the rashes of bacon and everything on it in one go. But when it was raining, his barbecue was outside. Our small gas one, if we zip the side of the awning and let some air in, works quite well under cover but it's only about half the size of his. So it was a case of shuffling the rashes of bacon and everything around and trying to cook them all together, but a bit at a time, if you know what I mean. Those three rashes are doing well. I'll move those across, put those three in their place. Those three can go there. and So you worked it until it was all done. It worked. We've done it before. Fingers crossed we'll do it again one day. The only drawback is that to get from the site to the beach, to let the dogs have a run, to let the kids have a go on their surfboards, there is about a 10 or 12 foot high, in some places, bank of cobbles. I don't know whether it's an artificial one, whether it's a a man-made or a natural feature like Chesil Bank, I don't know. But there is this huge bank of cobbles. As I say, in places it's 10 or 12 feet high and ooh, quite a few feet wide. I would say a good 30 or 40 feet wide. And it's quite steep. And it goes the full length of the beach. There's no way round it. I was hoping by now there'd be a, a boardwalk or something over it. There are a couple of little boardwalks. But they only go to the top. They don't go down the other side. And believe me, trying to go down is far trickier than coming up. Trying to find a firm foothold where the cobbles don't slide away from you. It's quite interesting. And funnily enough, as you go further down and get lower down, you think, oh, 
it's easy enough, we can get going. But as you go further down towards the beach side of the thing, the cobbles get smaller and smaller and into more of a pebble size. Now there, they do slide about and give way. It's harder to walk on the smaller stones than it is on the bigger ones. I have known people as have done some damage to themselves on there, slipped and cracked and damaged their ankles, damaged their heels. I've got away with it. I didn't slip at all this time. Just once my foot just slithered a couple of inches, but other than that, no problems at all. And when you've got a dog that's pulling on a lead, you take it very slowly and very carefully. Otherwise, he'll, he'll pull and make me lose my balance. But we did very, very well. He was good. Last time we were there, when we hadn't got the dog, I did have a couple of three incidents where I had to put my hand down and keep myself going. But that's the only obstacle there, that's the only problem with it. And as we get older, it gets more difficult for Elaine and myself to cope with it. With luck, we'll go again. I don't know exactly when, but with luck, we will go again and try it again. But there will come a time where we can't cope with it, which will be a shame. But yes, the dogs loved it when we got over there. The two boys were out on their bodyboards or surfboards, and we were throwing balls for the dogs and letting the dogs chase around splashing in the in the sea then taking them back and hosing them down to get the salt and sand off them before they went into the caravan <laughs> we've both got tie down stakes outside the caravans and a lead so they could move about freely but the leads were just short enough not to let the dogs meet in the middle and start getting themselves tangled up but both dogs were pretty good they'd lie there and dry off and watch what was going on the rest of the campsite. Monty has settled down brilliantly, it's a joy to take somewhere like that now. It's still not too brilliant having him on the lead, he does fight the lead a little bit, so it was a, a little bit of hard work and a little embarrassing trying to take him through St David's, but we keep working on it, we'll get him there. We'll have a damn good dog and enjoy him. Since I retired from local government, I haven't taken much interest in politics. When I was doing my jobs and doing my work with the unions, I took a great interest in it. And because I was working in local government, the party in power influenced how the local councils were run. If, for instance, the Conservatives were in power or regained power and the authority I worked for, the Conservatives gained power, then they went all out to please central office of the party similarly with the Labour Party. 
If they achieved power in the local authority, they wanted to please central office and immediately implement all the things that central government wanted to implement. But since I retired, I've not taken much interest whatsoever. But it is amusing me with this fight between Liz Truss and Sunak, Rashi Sunak. All the bickering that goes on, and now one is going to do this, one is going to do that, one is going to do the other. But I don't follow it, I don't take that much interest in it. Because there's all this news, all this reporting about what they're doing and what they're saying. And the thing is that we're not going to vote for them. There's something like so many hundred thousand Conservative members, is it about 150,000 Conservative members who can vote for them? The rest of the country can't. So why are they making such an issue of this to the public of what's being said and what isn't? Because it doesn't mean anything to us. It's pointless. And what they say to get elected probably won't bear any relation to what they do when they get elected, which is fairly normal for a politician. So why all the, the fuss of reporting it all? Moan over. But it is great to see that we are now progressing steadily away from the restraint of the last two years. The Covid lockdown and everything has been quite severe. But the good news of this weekend is that the Notting Hill Carnival is on again and getting good attendances and some great performances and costumes. I read yesterday that one of my favourite places to go, the Great Dorset Steam Fair, is getting tens of thousands of visitors coming in through the door. Brilliant. I look. I don't know much about the Notting Hill Carnival, I've never been, I've only seen the news reports and the bits of film of it. But the Dorset Steam Fair is brilliant. I've been two or three times and I think it's an excellent place. But coming back from Newgale, there was a steam fair in, I think it was the Shrewsbury area. There was a, a couple of festivals on in different farmyards. It, it was... There was activity, there was boards up advertising such and such a, a show, such and such a festival, another steam rally, another event at Bilthwells on the showground. And we were getting back to normal, people were mixing, things were going on. While I'd been away I was reading what's happening on the canal, although we are... We can't do big trips. They've devised a way where we can come from the lock where we usually start off. We can't go through the lock, it's still got the stop planks in to stop us losing water. We can't go through the lock and take water out because we cannot extract water to keep the thing high. But where we are on the top reach, because we are connected to the river, although the floodgate is closed and we can't take water from the river, 
it does tend to keep the top pound fairly high. So they devised a way where we can do a little 20 minute cruise and charge accordingly and take people up the top reach. And apparently from what I've seen on the WhatsApp page where we have the crew chats where we keep each other informed about what's going on, it's going down very well. We've had one particular group of people who came apparently who paid their fees, thoroughly enjoyed the trip, offered to buy the whole crew a drink and put a donation in the box. They were that pleased that we'd made the effort to try and do something. We've had to cancel a lot of trips, things like the cream teas and the fish and chip suppers because we can't get far enough down the canal to spend the time for people to eat and enjoy the trip. We don't want to go up and down the same 20 minute stretch about six times so that people can enjoy their food. It will be boring for them and boring for us. But we are still getting a little bit into the coffers. We are using the boat and we're getting a little bit of a little bit of funding back from what we're doing. Even if it's only paying for the diesel and pulling a bit more into the funds. I'm looking forward to the next set of trips when I can put myself down as a crewman. A friend of mine the other day asked where I operated from and could he bring his dog and could they do this on the boat? I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. I says, uh, the only thing is, is we can't go anywhere at the moment. I can't recommend a, a lengthy cruise for you to make it worth your while coming up to Chesterfield. But I did promise him as soon as we can get going fully again, I'll let him know and I'll, I'll put myself down to crew the boat so as he can get the full experience of it. Either crew it or skipper it, one of the two. That's the beauty of it now, if I'm feeling that way inclined, I can just say, right, I'll work the locks and I'll help crew the boat, help with the steering and such like. Or I can turn around and say, okay, I'll be skipper this week, which means I'll turn up earlier, take the boat out of its moorings, get it all set up, and take it down to the lock to start the cruises. It's great stuff, I enjoy it. The other problem is that uh, we lost my favourite stretch of river fishing. It was a change of ownership and the new owners want to use the river bank for their own benefit and not rent it out to us for fishing. So I've lost my favourite spot of river fishing and it's the nearest fishing spot that we have in our club. So I thought, well, that's it. I'll have to. I'll go down to the the nearest. <laughs> got. While I was away, I had an email. I've looked it up since we got back, and they've closed all of the lake fisheries because of the heat and the water condition. So that's that one done. Until further notice, we can't do much with the boat. And I can't break the monotony by going fishing. Still, my garden will look a treat by the end of the year. 
and my dog will have plenty of walks. So good will come out of it. Ten out for now.